Hey everybody, Larry Sanders here, and today's episode of What's Who's Some Radio was brought to you by AYV Premium Lifestyle Brand. Shout out again to Melody Fresh for reaching out. They are hard at work during this period creating AYV Lifestyle Personal Protection Face Masks. In addition to the variety of clothing and accessories they typically feature in their store, the masks are comfortable and stylish with three layers of protection, much fresher than those blue medical masks we've gotten used to seeing these last few months in. Also, much safer than the black bandana I'm wearing around my face when I leave the house and that I'm sure a lot of you have made with your own uh, makeshift rubber bands and uh, safety pins. So, And of utmost importance during this time where we're trying to save our money, uh, they're super affordable starting at just $15. So with over 20 prints to choose from, you're guaranteed to see one that you'll love. So please, please, please support black business, especially black business trying to make a difference during these very, very weird times. Head to AYVLifestyle.com right now to order your personal protection face mask today. That's AYVLifestyle.com. One more time, the letter A, the letter Y, and the letter V, Lifestyle.com. We are also brought to you by the web's best-kept secret, WhatSuitsHim.com, where we continue to crank out podcasts for your entertainment. We need to work on the essay part of that, but the podcasts are coming. Uh, albums of the Decade, all 12 episodes are ready for you to listen to at either in this feed or at the Albums of the Decade feed. Just search WhatSuitsHim wherever you get your podcasts and find that feed ready for you to like review and subscribe uh what's some radio cranking out two to three a week um consulting photography still hard at work if you need something head over to the e-magazine and uh, let us know what you need man we're trying 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 to stay busy during this weird period but uh yeah since we're since everything we do is pretty much online and remote we can keep it going so uh very happy to keep it pushing and hopefully you all are enjoying what we're getting out if you haven't listened to me and miss ryan and morgan our consigliere uh, discuss quarantine um, binge watching opportunities for you guys. That is our most recent episode put up last week, and she and I will be back with some fun stuff coming up. Uh, more basketball talk on the way um, today, specifically, but definitely down the line with uh, Keenan Terry and some other friends. And then I have a fun idea for a gospel series I'm trying to get off the ground. Shout out to Miss Rachel Payton. She came on over the weekend, and that'll be up either Thursday or Friday of this week. But, uh, yeah, today, uh, the Huffington Post, Phil Lewis, the homie from back in the day. It's good to have um, important friends, man. I know, I've know i known Phil since we were, like, 11. We went to middle school together. So um, it's cool to be able to uh, talk to him about um, some sports, man. I, I, so, literally, I was on Instagram uh, late last week, and he was watching, as I feel like a lot of people are, just old basketball on YouTube. And I just DM'd him, like, yo, would you want to talk about <laughs> the Jordan pod? I'm doing these recaps every Monday night. Like, do you want to come on? He's like, yeah. So um, linked up with him earlier tonight, and we got it in. And um, it's a really good conversation. So hopefully you all enjoy um, our conversation on the last dance night three on the way. But first, as always, my brother, Woody Mike Jones. I'm Detroit's own savior, Detroit's own plug, Detroit's own future, Detroit's own love, I'm Detroit's own, yeah, I'm Detroit's own, yeah, and I never asked for my heart back, you can have it, without all you taught me, I never would've lasted, I know I can move all right, recapping night three of The Last Dance, Michael Jordan documentary, on Zoom, our, our uh, trusty, um, Communication device at the moment. We got the homie Phil Lewis. What's up, bro? What's going on, man? Thank you for letting me come on in and talk about this show. No, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm trying to like keep it fresh and have somebody on different every week. And then I saw mm. you. I literally just saw you uh, watching old games 
as we all are doing the other day on IG Live. Yeah. And I was like, well, IG period. I was like, I wonder if Phil want to talk about this documentary. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, much appreciated, bro. Um, so, yeah, I'm assuming you watched last night's episodes. Um, I did. What, uh, initial thoughts you mm. had just had off the top of the, the top of the dome that you wanted to share about new things yeah, you man. learned? Well, I thought that this, so, I mean, this, to me, this, like, uh, last night was probably the best uh, pair of episodes that I've seen because we actually got really into uh, Jordan's, like, gambling addiction. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, a lot of the, one of the major issues that people have with the documentary is that it seems like Jordan propaganda. Yeah. I mean, know, it still uh, seems like know. Jordan propaganda to me. I, mean, I ain't gonna lie. We'll get into it, but, but yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it, it, you know, for the most part, it is because it, it's nothing happened in that uh, in the documentary. Nothing is we'll, we're not going to see anything that hasn't already had his uh, cosign on mm-hmm. it. So um, I think that this actually kind of showed a really vulnerable, um, you know, Jordan, because it, it talked about um, the Republican wear sneakers uh, comment. It talked about mm-hmm. his gambling addiction. Uh, it talked about how he was dealing with. Um, I was dealing with just the pressure of being a famous, famous man. And, and to that end, even famous black man, mm-hmm, you know, in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, to me, this, this episode was really, it was really interesting to kind of see that perspective because you have the commercials like, Oh, everybody wants to be like Mike. Uh, but then he's like, dang, I don't even want to be like, You're right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, sometimes. So um, to me, it's, it's really good. It's, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm all Detroit out. I'm like all Detroit, you know, got gang, the, gang, gang, the, yeah. the spirit, the spirit in the back, the spirit in the back. And then the, uh, this, this, uh, Detroit uh, sweatshirt is mm-hmm. from the 80s and um, it's funny because I, the people that I know that are watching it are calling it the like the diehard Detroit fans are calling mm. it the last tr- the last trash <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh, you know I'm not going that far uh, you know I got respect for Jordan even though we're not supposed to right <laughs> but um, but it, to me it was it was probably one of the better uh, episodes like the, the series of, of the of the entire uh, documentary I think Mm-hmm. So I mean, so we're both from, I guess, for background, uh, um, Phil's are also from Detroit. We both uh, have history with. Well, we're both Pistons fans, but I, I guess I kind of want to know your um, history with Jordan specifically. I've mm-hmm. I've enumerated. I'm I'm a Jordan. I grew up not understanding the Pistons used to be good. I feel like at three and four years <laughs> old, I just missed when the Pistons were good, and so all I could perceive was that. Michael Jordan played us four times a year and beat us every single time. I'm going to be his fan. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to be a fan of the Pistons. So I didn't really come around to being a Pistons fan until after Jordan retired. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely feel like that was... I wish my dad was still here so I could be watching this documentary with him because I want to know now if I was annoying him with how much I like Michael Jordan because I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'd be watching it like every other Detroiter and it's like... Yeah, this mm. is a lot of propaganda. It's a lot of bullshit. But for me, it was like, yeah, he's the best. He's the greatest all the time. I don't really know. I mean, of course, like he's gonna color it from his perspective how he thinks it was. But I mean, it's the goat. I'm just ac- happy I got access to the goat. So um, yeah. While it is so, like I said, while I do find it to be very propaganda-ish, while I do think that he's um telling a story and telling the story definitely to make him look the, the best. Uh, I don't know if it's the worst Jordan narrative ever. So what, what's your perspective like as a Jordan? watcher were you ever his fan like yeah. that or are you just like a, a, a do you just appreciate his talent i guess yeah well uh before i even answer that uh so you you are jordan was the goat like jordan is the goat Jordan that's, remains that's, the goat. That's i mean like. i have um, i have i think lebron's the best player i've ever seen but i think there's something magical mm-hmm. about michael that makes that like lifts him above lebron i think with lebron there's a, mo- mm-hmm. there's, a there's a matter of like humanness to him that i never felt when i was watching michael jordan play basketball even in this archival yeah. footage I look at Michael Jordan as like the quintessential basketball player. He looks like he's supposed to be in a jersey at all times. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. he just carries himself. Yeah. I could not imagine. It's almost like, I mean, this almost sounds dumb because LeBron's 6'8", 280, but I could see LeBron mm-hmm. having a day job. I couldn't see Michael Jordan. If I walked in UPS <laughs> and Michael Jordan was, ta- was taking your packages and putting them on the conveyor belt, I'd be like, what the fuck is he doing in a yeah. brown uniform? You know, so that's, that's, to me, that's the difference between Michael and LeBron is that Michael's almost a magical basketball player, there's, whereas LeBron's there's a, there's supposed a mystique. to be. You're right, right, right. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a mystique. Uh, there's, a, there's a mystique that, um, you know, there are only maybe a few sports figures have ever had, right? Mm-hmm. So like Muhammad Ali. Uh, mm-hmm. Tiger, Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. like Michael Jordan. There, and to me, LeBron is obviously an incredible player. Um, but I mean, I'm old enough to remember uh, Chicago Bulls games. I'm old enough mm-hmm. to remember uh, when Jordan was playing. I'm old enough to remember uh, Space Jam and mm-hmm. and uh, the the just the worldwide phenomenon that Jordan was. I mean, we used to go to Chicago. Uh, my parents and my my two brothers. We would go to well, just one brother at the time because he was the other one's younger. Anyway, uh, we used to go there all the time, and I would see like massive, like just signs of, of Jordan, just at, like plastered all over the city mm. of uh, Chicago. And I mean, mm-hmm. he's just now LeBron is obviously a great. He could play in any era, right? Like LeBron is is just a his physique is is unlike any player like we've ever seen. I don't think we've ever seen a player, not even Jordan, in his what LeBron's seventeenth year still right. leading the league, leading the league in assists. Mm-hmm. Um, but just I think Jordan is just a a sort of like the Michael Jackson of like basketball as far as like like how people how people acted when they saw when they saw him it was mm-hmm. like a just it was like seeing the Pope yeah he was a phenomenon like, he was a phenomenon yeah he was a phenomenon right and so uh, I I mean I I remember uh, I I don't I don't think I can I don't think LeBron kind of evokes that same sort of like just mythical type of uh, presence no. that, that Michael Jordan that Michael Jordan that uh, Michael Jordan had, you know, and it's and it's no fault to him, you know, but just when you think about the number twenty three, when you think about the NBA, uh, when you think about basketball, you automatically think about Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just made a you just steal the argument down the number, which I hadn't even thought about. Like LeBron doesn't have his own number. <laughs> right. He let he last on the LeBrons, mm-hmm. and I mean, like he has the six thing, but um, he mm-hmm. came in the league at twenty three because Michael Jordan was obviously his idol, so that was a thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I, uh, I'm with you. I thought last night's episodes were definitely super duper interesting. I liked them more than, sad to say, the Rodman episodes. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it gave a lot of. I, I guess part of partially why I like last night's episode so much is because we keep hearing that we're getting Jordan unfiltered and we're supposed to get this version of Jordan who we're not gonna like because he's an asshole. By the way, I've yet to find Jordan to be such an unlikable person uh, yet. At, at any point, it's. I feel like he's a jerk. I feel like he makes. Like asshole his comments. I feel like some of his jokes, like the joke he made last night to Jerry Krause about he couldn't smoke the cigars, he was gonna slit his growth or whatever. I think all those digs are like, are they are they childish? Sure, but I think they're more so like he's trying to relate to folks and he's trying to alienate mm-hmm. folks. I've always, whenever I've heard of Jordan being an asshole, I've always felt it was like he didn't get along with people and he pushed people away. But I've always, especially in these clips, it's always like he's just he's longing for companionship, even when he's hanging out with. Um, his, the, the Sniff Brothers, security guards. It's like, mm. those people are, I mean, we're we talking we talk about a, a legend. We're talking about a myth. We're talking about, I mean, he called himself a god last night. He's joking, we think. But, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, in comparison, Michael Jordan's hanging out with, like, the help. But those are his friends, because who else is he hanging yeah. out with? You know what I mean? So it's like, th- this was a guy who actually, I think, would have liked to have been Jerry Krause's friend if he didn't feel like Jerry Krause was actually sabotaging the relationship. Like, he wasn't yeah. trying to push people away so much as, like, 
that was just his personality. And um, if you were able to like laugh along with him, then he brought you in. But the point at which you were like sensitive about it, that's when he pushed you away. You know what I mean? Yeah, people people respected, uh, and and I think that this is the thing about just sports in general, and just like you know, sports are obviously uh, a, a sort of a masculine thing, and 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 when we think about masculinity, we think about push, you know, pushing people away, right? Mm-hmm. Pushing people away, being um, being tough, being, and that and that this is kind of why people really, I didn't really get why people thought they would find Jordan to be a jerk because we find those qualities to be good qualities right. you know for, yeah. for, for for like sports for our athletes you know for, for our of, top athletes especially right for our top athletes you know like mm-hmm. we're not so it, like for example when we think of when we see lebron um when we see lebron you know having taco tuesday with uh, his kids you know like this is something that is it's really sweet and i and i like it and that's actually why i'm a fan of lebron because I, I i like that he's willing and able to show like you know kind of a another side of him mm-hmm. but you can't you can't really imagine jordan doing something like that you know, like I, I can't imagine Jordan, you know, doing a taco no. or or, or not or not publicizing it. Like he might have right. it, but he's not about to get on Instagram he's and not, tell everybody about he's it. He's not gonna get, exactly. He's not gonna get on Instagram and, and tell you know. You know, and obviously Instagram didn't exist back then, so we don't know yeah. what it would have looked like. But LeBron, but just the differences between Jordan and LeBron, and and this is what you know, people like like uh, Skip Bayless, you know, who, who I was just listening to, will always will always hold against LeBron you know, in, in the, the debates versus LeBron and Jordan, that Jordan is just, or LeBron did not have that killer mentality, mm-hmm. you know, the killer mentality that, that LeBron, you know, that, that Jordan has, LeBron doesn't have, you know, so those are the sorts of qualities when we think about uh, our, our top athletes, we want them to be, you know, we want them to have some edge, you know, we want them to be mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I never thought, I never thought that people would have any offense to him. Like pe- when people, when he said that he hit, Steve Kerr in the face, people were like, "Oh yeah, Steve Kerr probably deserved it," you know, because it's, it's Jordan. You know? No, so, but but then on top yeah. of that, like the with I mean to the Kerr point, the fact that Kerr fought back also it was almost like Kerr, even if Kerr lost the fight, he won the fight because he got Jordan's respect out of it. Right. And right. I mean, it goes to the point of showing that like all Mike wants you to do is either defend yourself or just like not play along, but just be confident in yourself to know that he's not actively trying to emasculate you. You know what I'm saying? You got to bust his balls back. You know, he's not above it. And I think that sometimes, I mean, this happens with popular people, with famous people, with just people you don't want to offend because of their power. Mm. Sometimes you're afraid of saying certain things or like busting their balls or making certain jokes because they might take it the wrong way and now you're out the circle. And so I I do think it takes a level of like security and of confidence to defend yourself in those moments. Um, and, and you know who, who and you know who really uh, was was able to defend themselves and, and have that confidence was was his his quote unquote little brother uh, Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. You know, shot, shot and, to Kobe. Uh, yeah, you know, and Kobe. Um, I mean, it was it was just such a great way to start, but it was also kind of surreal. It was it was a great way to start the doc the uh, the series um, yesterday, but it was also kind of surreal seeing him talk about you know, seeing him talk about Jordan mm-hmm. uh, and, and talk about like, you know, how this is, you know, this is my big brother. I emulated my game after this guy. We we hate when people try to, you know, compare us or make us play, like try to make us play one-on-one or, you know, whatever, uh, because it's, our relationship is not like that, mm-hmm. you know? And so that, I mean, Jordan found him, and you know, said, he said at, at, at uh, Kobe's um, uh, fu- like funeral procession that, he found he found Kobe annoying, so, you know. But he but he but his persistence, you know, his persistence really 
really got to him and, and his confidence, you know, the way they were talking about him in the in doc mm-hmm. saying, Oh, like this this little Laker boy, he's trying to come for everybody. You that know, footage at, was at the, at great. The that footage was, it was great. great. It was um, great. It was great. No, I, I really enjoyed I even you could watch during the game, it was almost apparent that Kobe was like studying Mike. I, I Great storytelling, because I couldn't quite tell if it was the camera angle or if I was just, like, looking for that. But it was, it was apparent to me that, like, even if chasing him around the floor and off those screens, that he was watching yeah. how Mike comported himself on the court. And yeah. um, I don't know, like, 19-year-old Kobe was, like, really a ball of clay. Because somebody, I was listening to um, Bill Simmons and Ryan Rusillo's uh, recap of, of last night's episodes, and they were talking about how just Kobe was, you can hear how Kobe was trying hard to be something. You can quite tell what it was. It was Mike, but he didn't know what it was. Yeah. And yeah. um. Like after the game when Mike's dapping everybody up and he's like the king of the room or whatever and, and got command of the court and he talks to Kobe, he's like, Well, I'll see you down the line. And Kobe's like, Cool. And it's like <laughs> <laughs> you could just quite tell that like Kobe was um soaking it all in, but also mm. Kobe simultaneously was like able to carry himself like he was like you heard you heard Mike made the point about um if 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 he if if he was playing with me here about air ball four times, like he'd have to go rebound if he wanted the ball again. But it was also this sort of like you could see the glimmer in Mike's eye talking about Kobe. Mm. I, I looked at it from the perspective of um, well, obviously Kobe had Mike's respect because if Mike, if Mike didn't have to be talking about Kobe unsolicited, right? Like that was kind of right. like out the blue to be like that Laker kid gonna try to gonna try to take everybody one on one. Like right. what was the point this even, is the top player. This is the top player in the world. In the top, world, just bringing yeah. just yeah. just unsolicited talking about this ball hogging nineteen year old because obviously he saw something <laughs> in him. I, he wouldn't be bringing mm. him up if he didn't see something. He didn't see himself in them, right? Um, mm. But then part two of that was just knowing that, like, once they got on the court, that Kobe was like, yeah, I'm probably out of my element, but I'm not going to allow that to, like... I, I know me personally, if I was in that situation, well, I probably wouldn't have made the All-Star team if I was Kobe Bryant in that situation. <laughs> but um, I know if I was in that situation, I probably would have been starstruck. Like, if not, yeah. if not so much, like, frozen or paralyzed by the moment, then definitely more actively talking to Mike, like, hey, like, can I be, I want to, can you be my, I would have been asking him point blank, can you be my mentor on the court? And I feel like that would have yeah. been a little bit too far and Kobe knew exactly how to play it. And I felt like there was something to be said about, um, I don't know, his, Kobe recognized the moment too. He knew, he knew how yeah. to, um, how to uh, carry himself even as a 19 year old. And that's something I really respected because um, he was the youngest person in that room by far, but did not, um, I mean, it was obvious, but it wasn't obvious. You could have thought that mm. uh, he was older than 19. Yeah, he was up for the challenge every time. Definitely, definitely. Um, what else did I did I did I think was hilarious? The Republicans buy sneakers too. Uh, thing came up, like you said. I saw. I didn't know that so many people didn't know that it was only rumored that he said it. Because I thought that like it was well known that it hadn't been attributed to him, but it was like in the ether or something the- he might say. Yeah, it was one of those things that uh, it was one of those posts that he never really came out and kind of like he never either defended it or like kind of tossed it aside. I think that was my first time really, I don't know, he may have, but that was my first time ever seeing him publicly come out and say like, look, Mm -hmm. this is, yeah, acknowledge it. Right. And so uh, when he, I I totally believe when he, I believe him when he said it was in jest, you know, but I also think that he probably really feels that No. Okay. So, so where did you, where do you land? So I guess the backstory for folks who haven't watched the doc yet or don't quite know the backstory of what happened. So, was in a 1990 North Carolina um, Senate race. Right. There was a virulent racist who was an incumbent. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's that guy's name? I, I, 
forget his name intentionally uh, because I he's yeah, a, I, such I a jerk. His name. Um, I felt like I I, <laughs> I would compete at the guy once I found out the entire backstory a couple years ago, and I was like, yo, this mm-hmm. guy was trash. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, so Harvey Gantt, a black. Uh, liberal, liberal black, a, a liberal black from North Carolina, black. was running for a seat, and um, it, so I, it was a layup in optics for Michael to support the guy. But Michael last mm. night came out and said, which I respected this if nothing else because I do feel like sometimes we have a tendency to like support people without doing our research. So mm. semantically, he did do the right thing. Um, he went, he came out and said just because he didn't know enough particulars about the guy, he didn't want to back, he wanted to back him, but he did give him financial support. Um, yeah, which obviously wasn't enough because the guy ended up losing. Harvey Gant ended up yeah. losing the election to the virulent racist. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I while empathizing with Mike, while empathizing with what President Obama said in the moment, which is that um, for somebody who is twenty five, twenty six years old, coming into what it means to be one of the more famous people in the world, um, how to navigate that space and navigate that celebrity and what to use it for and not use it for, it's it's hard to fully understand what you want to commit to at age 25, 26. I get mm. that. At the same time, and, and also, and I empathize with the, with the notion too, that like, I'm sure that, I'm sure there's a, a part of uh, Mike's brain and his supporters too, that are looking at LeBron and the, I guess the more socially minded athletes of the world today and are like, hey, if I didn't sit on my hands back then, you wouldn't have the freedoms today to be so vocal, right? I will push back on that though a little bit, just to say that like, um, he could have advanced that a little bit more being the most famous athlete in the world in 1990 if he had said something he probably mm. could have he, he probably would have made it easier for LeBron in 2020 to be open to schools just for lower mm. income black people you know what I'm saying like that, that wouldn't be getting so much pushback if Michael Jordan in 1990 had took a stand and I don't know like sometimes like I said well, I empathize about like not wanting to support somebody you're not fully aware of everything they're going to do in their platforms or whatever Sometimes it is bigger than you. Sometimes you do have to take a stand and be like, hey, even though yeah. I don't know everything that's going on, I do know that the guy he's going against is one of the worst races in modern American politics. Like, I can't, you know what I'm saying? What, the, the, the opposite of not supporting this guy is letting the races win again. So right. I should probably say something. So I, I don't know. Like I said, well, I get both sides. It's almost like we as black people almost have a... Even if, even though we don't want it, we always have a responsibility to like look at the bigger picture at all times. And for him to actively mm. be like, I was just a basketball player. It's like, no, nah, you were born black. No. Like, that's your plight in life. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely can see, I, 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 I can see where he's coming from, you know, as far as, uh, I think one point in the documentary where, was, where he was saying, you know, there was all this pressure, you know, but mm-hmm. Truthfully, I and you know I, I I'm loath to say what I would do in that sort of situation because you know this is obviously this is Michael Jordan right, uh, this is one of the most popular people on planet Earth mm-hmm. and and what and no matter what he says it will be twisted it will be you know transformed like it'll be changed by you know either the media or whomever right um, but I, I do think that it's a bit of a cop out to say that you know I can't find out this information about this person. I can't look into this person, especially if, if mm-hmm. the person is, if the person is such a, a, such a racist or such a terrible person, sometimes there's nothing that really needs to be said. Right. 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 You know? So, um, I don't know what it would have took for him to do research on, on either Harvey Gant or this other person. Uh, but he probably, I mean, he should have done that in my, in my eyes. Yeah. I think that he probably, he just should, he should have done it. Um, but 
to that end, he would have, I mean, it, it wouldn't have stopped there, you know, because now he would have been viewed as Michael Jordan, the activist, you mm -hmm. know, he's, he's getting into, he's getting into state politics. He's getting sooner. People will want him to speak with, right. on, um, you know, higher, higher race, higher state races, yeah. higher. Once you do um, it once, you can't not do it no more. That's the you thing. Can't, you can't not do it anymore. You know? So I, I definitely, I can understand why he was like, look, I'm already under all this scrutiny and all this pressure, you know, so I don't even want to be a part of it. But you have that, I mean, when you have like such a large following, I mean, it's like, like Uncle Ben says, with great power, <laughs> comes great responsibility, responsibility yeah. you know? So it's, I mean, he, he, he had a responsibility, you know, uh, to use his platform for good and, and to, because I, I honestly think that this person in North Carolina, Jordan had said, hey, y'all, look, we got to go out and support. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they would have went out and supported this man. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't sometimes I think that there's just like no there's no middle ground. You know, and we, and we see that now, obviously, in today's politics, like there's there's really no there's no middle when it comes to, you know, uh, detain, detaining immigrant children or doing, you know, um, supporting uh white supremacists or white supremacy like there is no middle ground in some of these places nope. so jordan uh he made you know he made his stance very clear you know and, and jordan i think that maybe if anything we see throughout this entire documentary uh that could possibly change people's minds about them even if you know even if we already knew what jordan was um i think that that was probably his worst moment to me like not mm -hmm. the gambling not no, the gambling no, not no, the no. punching not the punching kid like that to me that was his worst his hit me seeing jordan in his worst light easily easily i think yeah. that um i mean I, I agree with everything you said and i think that specifically he uh i mean so the way that, i think the way that episode six started out the frame anyway was that like um as you said at the beginning the, the be like mike aspect of it um mm -hmm. He didn't even want to be like him at that point. Right. And, and so, yeah, he, he was tired of the fame, he was tired of celebrity, he was tired of, and I think even to the point of people asking him to be an activist, I think he was tired of people caring about what his opinion was on stuff. Mm. Um, and I, the point we're getting at right now as we talk is that, like, you can't self-select out of not having an opinion on stuff. I mean, he says in the, in the documentary he regrets ever having to be a role model, but it's almost like, I don't know, I empathize with, I empathize with celebrities or athletes who become celebrities who don't necessarily sign up for the ancillary stuff. They only signing up for like the riches that come along with playing the game. I get it, but it's almost like you can't, you can't detach you can't one from the other. Right. And the yeah. point at which you, you can't separate it. I mean, I, I do understand it's like capitalism's a bitch. It's like, are you really going to mm -hmm. sacrifice all these millions of dollars just because you don't want to be a role model to some kids? And the answer to that question might have to be yes. If you are in a mental or if you are prepared to do that, then you might have to, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um, forego what it means to be a celebrity just because yeah. you aren't willing to be a celebrity but Charles, Charles Barkley infam infamously said you know yeah, I'm not a nobody's role model, role model. <laughs> but still but still took model. the money though you know what I'm saying yeah. I, so it's not an either or in that scenario like you, are you talking about gray areas there's a gray area here where I guess you can be a role model unwittingly or you can do your best to stay out of the public eye just accept mm -hmm. the checks you can do that um but for somebody like Mike he, may, he even made the point about like he wasn't the most compelling person. I remember watching when they, when they showed him shooting the, uh, the Morris Blackman Jordan commercials. And mm -hmm. Mike really does, well, he has more personality now. I think that just comes with being a 50-year-old black man. But he was kind of like boring at age 23. He didn't have, he didn't have much personality. Um, mm -hmm. 
He was just a kid from North country, Carolina. He was country, country. Is yeah, he was a country kid. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like, it was just, it's interesting for him to acknowledge that, hey, if I was even a marginal basketball player, would nobody care about what I had to say? I had to be the best basketball player on the planet to get these endorsements. If I wasn't, yeah. my, if I wasn't Michael Jordan, a basketball player, none of this would have came. And so I think, it's, I think it's a little bit duplicitous, duplicitous of him to be like, yeah, without basketball, I wouldn't have been this important. But I just want to be a basketball player. I don't want to deal with none of the other stuff. It's like, no, nah, right. you understand right. what you understood the power that your basketball player gave you. So you can't have it just for the money and not for like the liberation of your people. I don't know. I don't know. I understand. No, I, I definitely no. I mean, that's I think that's true. And, you know, Jordan. Um, I, I, I just to me, I, I'm really curious just because I, I want sometimes I wonder like what. Jordan would be like today, you know, or this, as far as like dealing with like this social media and that, and now we have, we're so, we have so much access to our mm-hmm. celebrities, to our sports figures now that a lot of them can't even really afford to stay silent because now right. we can just send them a tweet like, Hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Because now, but also, I mean, there's, there's, we're living in an age of, of athlete empowerment, unlike any other time ever, Yeah, you know? So, you know, the things that, um, LeBron can say now, you know, as far as or Derrick Rose wearing the I can't breathe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shirts like stuff like that. I mean, w- even when you go back to like uh, what John Carlos and, mm-hmm. and the guys, you know, the black uh, black power salute, like those sorts of things. You can do that now. And, you know, it's 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 almost applauded in a lot of diff- by a lot of different communities. But back then, you know, so you're going from the 60s where it was like, oh, no, you're blackballed. Yeah. And then you're in the night. You're in the '90s, where it's still it's not quite as bad, but it's like some players are like, I don't even want to be involved in it because Jordan wasn't the only one. No, you know, Jordan wasn't the only one that was like, eh, I'm not really, I'm not really trying to get into the topics of race. I mean, because yeah, that, that's the thing is like Mike, Mike wasn't even the only one who I, I feel right. like. I mean, like we, we said, Charles Barkley already, Craig Hodges, mm-hmm. who was his teammate, who has mysteriously not appeared in this documentary one time yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig Hodges. But Craig Hodges got blackballed from the league for essentially, um, he was, was he part of the nation or he was, he was, um, I think he was, I think he was, uh, he was, uh, yeah, he, he converted to Muslim. Uh, yeah. Right. So. And, and so did, so did, um, uh, uh, Mahmoud, uh, Mahmoud, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the sharp, the sharpshooter. Yeah. He plays in the, the big, the he big plays in the big now. three now. Yeah. From Denver. Right. But, uh, yeah, I can't remember his name, but, um, but players like that, like as soon as they they were able to, you know, voice their opinions, and, and the more opinionated they became, the more like it just seemed like the the rope got a little tighter, mm-hmm. you know. And so, as far as the NBA, because the NBA was very, very, very concerned about its image um, back then, you know. So, huh. um, I mean, and then part two of that is, uh, dang, I lost my thought. I'm I'm trying to find the guys. My my mood. I think it's my mood. El Raouf. I think so. Yeah. Am I tripping? Um, yeah, my mood, Abdul Rauf. Mm, yep. Formerly Chris Chris Jackson. Right? Formerly Chris Jackson. Yep, okay. L- LSU, Denver for six years, and then yeah, and he was blackballed. Yeah, he got blackballed. Uh, um, dang, I had a, a thought on that and lost it. Um, that's the beautiful. That's the beauty in podcast. I can edit this out. Um, <laughs> no, I mean to that point, like he, so, Mike wasn't Mike wasn't unique. He definitely was a, of a of an athlete's era that definitely didn't want to fuck up the money. I guess it was, I guess it was mm. this, the nineties and being black specifically, well, African-American culture in the nineties was weird. 
Um, I don't know your experience with Joe Pierce, but I definitely feel like I came from, I was in a household that was like very happy with like where black people had come to, to heretofore and didn't want to mess it up. And I feel like Bill mm. Clinton was definitely a big piece of that, where it was like we had the first black president, stuff was good for black people, we was making money hand over foot. And it was almost like, all right, let's not rock the boat too much because they might take the money from us. No, I think that that's I think that's real. I mean, but but then in the behind the scenes, you had Rodney King, you had all mm-hmm. this, you know, you had like all like these, you got these uh these um uprisings, you know, happening. So not riots, but uprisings happening, and then like L.A. and all, you know, all across. So I mean, they were it it was a lot. There were people that were not trying to rock the boat while things were happening. Right. <laughs> while things were happening in the background, you know. So mm-hmm. the ni- the 90s was kind of a rough time, and I, I think that. Now, you know, more than ever, players are players and other uh, celebrities and figures are, are more willing to speak out. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, to that point, like you said, um, oh, that's the point I was going to make. Um, they brought it up in the documentary, too. It's almost like once you get built up to something, once you get built up to the most famous. I remember having this thought. I was on the Metro. Um, was it the 15 playoffs or the 16 playoffs? And mm-hmm. it was when Steph was at his absolute, at least like, um, public peak. Like everybody loved Steph. Yeah. Like they were like, like Steph, Steph. Yeah, hundred percent mm-hmm. approval rating. And um, <laughs> I just remember somebody on the on the I was on the train. Somebody said like, it's like the the um, public backlash is coming for Steph. Don't think that it's not gonna happen. And here I am, like with my headphones, and like, who could ever hate Stephen Curry? That doesn't make sense. Meanwhile, <laughs> I've, I've I've watched it happen to LeBron. I've watched it happen to my favorite players in the past. And here I am watching, like, it could never happen to Steph. And here we are, four years later, and Steph, people just hate Steph for no reason. And I feel like that Mike was almost trying to prevent that, be be preventative of the prevention, if that makes sense. It's almost like I'm not even gonna give y'all a reason to hate me. And if I come out as like the black guy. Then I just give y'all a reason. So I was just, I would go out of my way to be like, nope, y'all not, y'all, I'm not gonna do that. Um, yeah, but then he realized that you know no one's perfect, you exactly. know, and that and that slid into his gambling addiction, and uh, you know when the when the Jordan rules came out and this other in that other book uh, with that with that <laughs> the guy who uh, who was his uh, golfing partner. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, know, Michael. People, yeah, yeah. People people saw uh, a different side of of Jordan, you know, and I think. I think now he realizes, like you know, there was nothing I can do. People were gonna find, yeah, people were gonna any find way that. to kind of tear him down. You know, if they were gonna find a way to tear you down, like you know, and but also people, everyone has their vices, mm-hmm. you know. And, and obviously Jordan's was was gambling, you know. And I think that was real. He was kind of in a dangerous. He was in dangerous territory because they were like, okay, well, if he'll, I mean, he'll bet the janitor twenty dollars <laughs> to you know throw throw the throw the coin up against the wall yeah. and some, you know, this, this great depression game they got going. But, uh, I mean, they were like, the NBA was like, look, he'll do that. Like, what's to say he won't, you know, do a little point shaving or, you know, do this or, you know, I, I feel like know, he, he, he like was that. too competitive to, he, he probably bet on himself. I, I couldn't see him yeah. betting against the team. What I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. What I will say though is that um, I think it just spoke to just how how alone he was, bro. Like, I mean, the point yeah. at which he had to go to Atlantic City late night between games, um, not justifying it. I put what I do that probably not, but I will say that like <laughs> when you are the most famous person in the world and you can't unwind by like going up the street and going to the movie theater, what yeah. the fuck are she supposed to do? You know, it's like he got he he got out of town to a private casino with his dad. He's probably in the, you know what I'm saying? Like he did everything yeah. he could. He did everything that he could, that he could in order to like go out and have a good time. 
but it was it wasn't as simple as it is for you and me to be like, okay, I just want to, um, I don't know, go to the grocery store and get snacks for the night. Like he can't just right. do some stuff like that. So um, someone someone brought up a good point about that. Or, or no, I was watching um uh, uh undisputed and Shannon brought up the point like, you know, what we've been doing for like the last couple of months as far as like not being able to leave our home. Like Jordan, that was Jordan's life for forty years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he couldn't. He couldn't go anywhere. Like he, he was basically quarantined for the better. Like basically up until from his plan days up until like now, he right still there. can't really go anywhere before you know without people, uh, you know, mobbing him. So I, I mean, I didn't even think about like I didn't think about that and like how, the the pressure that comes with you know being that sort of person. You know, I always wonder and I always I always wonder like is the cost of being famous is it worth it? Man. You know, is it, is it really worth it? I, I think about it with like, so I, I take us for instance, we six, four large. So, I mean, typically when we go in the rooms, we can see above everybody else. You know what I'm saying? If, <laughs> if, if, if we, if, if you yeah. and I ever see somebody out in public that's taller than us, it's like an event. Cause that doesn't yeah. tend to happen. <laughs> and so like, imagine being six, six, his complexion, obviously noticeable. Where well, in public is he going? With a hoop earring in? Where the fuck is Michael Jordan? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, where is he going? So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah I, I really do empathize with it because it's like even for me, I hate being the tallest person in the room a lot of the time. And it's like if that happens to me 98% of the time, and he's two inches taller than me, mm. God, God bless it. Like, it's not. And it's there, not there's work. nowhere in the world that Michael Jordan can go and not be recognized. And not be recognized, right? Like, it, yeah. we're not recognizable. We just are tall. He's tall, Eric. <laughs> Yo, black men, are you tired of being told that men are trash? Are you tired of hearing over and over about toxic masculinity? Are you tired of having black masculinity defined for you? All in the videos, dancing. I bet. Check this out. Cue the music, please. My name is Jeremy Hurt, and Let's Talk Bruh is a podcast that I host on black masculinity. We have conversations on black masculinity and take it into our own hands, define it for ourselves, and break down what men are trash really means, as well as what it means to hold ourselves accountable for toxic masculinity and the ways that it impacts us and women. I have conversations on vulnerability, mental health, friendship, sex, and much more. Being a black man, as we know, is a full-time job with no days off. And Let's Talk Pro is a podcast where all black men can have deeper conversations outside of Twitter's 280 characters to vent, to laugh, celebrate our wins, and call each other out for problematic behavior like telling your boy to man up when he's crying because what does it really mean to be a man if you can't cry? With each episode, we try to do our part in considering and suggesting new visions of black masculinity. Let's Talk Bro drops every Wednesday anywhere you can find podcasts. But I guess I've been generally just obsessed with, I told my girlfriend last night while we were watching it, like, I mean, I'm obsessed with his competitiveness as we're talking about with his willingness to gamble on everything, but just kind of how, like, even back, going back to the early episodes, there are all these stories about James Worthy said, um, he showed up to practice and he was, Mike wasn't the best player in the practices, but for like 20 minutes and then he figured it out. I feel like Mike's story (laughs) is just like, it it only takes him one or two times to learn his lesson. He'll just figure shit out. Mm-hmm. Um, and even into last night, like, I felt like there were, there were moments where it's clear. So they, they talk about, um, I, I didn't want to say like during the three P he becomes the greatest player in the world, mostly because of, I mean, the mysticism, but mostly just because of muscle memory. It's like, he had learned just how to like, I think BJ Armstrong said it. He just learned how to control the pace of the game. It was less yeah. about winning the game and more about like knowing what to do in order to like get momentum back on their side when it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And that's important because basketball is all about momentum, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you're able to 
if you can control the pace of the game, like you can win, you you know how to win. And like LeBron, to me, he does that. Uh, LeBron can do that. He can just take the entire game over, you know. With and he and he doesn't have to score, mm-hmm. you know. So, but but, uh, but and, almost, but I'm, I think it almost speaks to the LeBron Jordan debate. Not to make this a LeBron Jordan debate for real, but yeah, to me, it's almost like when LeBron has his hands on the game, he has his hands on the game. Like it's apparent that like LeBron is moving people here and there. Whereas mm-hmm. like with, Le- with, with Mike, I always felt like I've been watching old games too. I mean, and when Mike is jacking, he's jacking. Don't get me wrong. Like he can, <laughs> he can ball hog. But it almost mm-hmm. felt like, I mean, Simmons said this too. Mike, even when Mike took 40 shots, like 37 of the shots were probably the right play. Or like at least you, you could see him be like, I understood why Mike took that shot. You never felt like he was um, dominating a game, even though he was in full control of it. Well, LeBron's, LeBron's dominating and in control of it. Mike's all the time I was running the offense while taking 40 shots, which is a talent Mm. (laughs) in a way. Um, Yeah, the LeBron, the LeBron and the LeBron and Jordan comparisons. And to me, I never really understood the debate because LeBron to me, and I think a lot of others, LeBron is way more like, I guess, magic. Yeah. You know, like people see, people see a little bit more magic than Jordan, like, and then Jordan, you know, people see Kobe and Jordan. Um, So like the, the Jordan and LeBron, I guess like the only thing you really do is, compare them i guess like on the in the goat conversation but the mm-hmm. comparisons to me don't really work uh but to me i just i just to go back to it i mean when you think about the sport you think about michael jordan you know yeah. like just period right yeah. and so and then honestly that might not even, that might not even be lebron's fault you know jordan is just older <laughs> you know he was, oh, there, no, no, he yeah. was there he was there first you yeah. know and i think even and and even when you talk about people who have won more you know so like the bill russells and the kareem bill jabars of the world um, or have more points or things like that. Um, neither of neither of them carry the same weight and hold the same mysticism as Michael Jordan had. Mm-hmm. You know, like like now Kareem was more. Kareem is obviously one of the greatest players of all time, but he was more of a he was more of a follower. You know, in a way, like he. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously his his uh, college career. He was he's the most dominant college player ever. But in the NBA, I mean, he you know he had Showtime and and he was kind of like a him and magic were really able to kind of put it together right but jordan is like kind of on a different level as far as like his hunger to win Mm -hmm. like you don't you don't think of you don't think of kareem in that in that sense yeah i got so me and keenan did a a, um an exercise where we tried to do our 25 greatest players all the time a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and i put kareem three but I, i said kareem is three just because i feel like kareem has been the third greatest player of all time for like the, the totality of his career. I, I felt like when at the point at which he came in, nobody thought he was better than Russell and Chamberlain. And then the point at which he went out, nobody thought he was better than Magic or Bird. So I was just like, dang, he, um, he put together, like you said, he put together a great career, but at no point was he ever like iconic. I don't think, that, at no point did we ever view him as the sort of myth that, like you said, like that, that we said like Mike is, that mm. almost LeBron has forced himself to be. I, I, I don't remember yeah. it, I felt like, um, Maybe given 80s and 90s, well, given our technology in the late 70s, early 80s, um, things might be different how we remember these people. But yeah, I definitely feel like Kareem is Kareem is definitely hurt by like age specifically. Is that I don't know yeah. if we really appreciate how dominant he was because the first half of his career he was going up against some a, a, a really diluted NBA, and then the second half he was of his going career, up against janitors, right? Janitors and, <laughs> and, and in the second half of his career, he he was on Magic's team, so yeah, it, it's really yeah. hard to parse uh, what to do with that. But 
Um, it's, it's so hard to it's so hard to like really put together like fair lists because yeah. like just there are so many differences in, in the game. The game has evolved. Uh, the diets are different. Nutrition is different. Shoes are biology, different. Biology is different. Shoes are different. Court is different. You know, so it's just it's hard. Like I was I was looking at a picture of um bird. Uh, bird Garden Jordan mm-hmm. in Boston Garden, and I was taking a look. Someone had pointed out the um, the court, and they basically looked like they were playing on like just on ice, like on uh, yeah, like what what, I did, what were they even playing on? Like they were playing on this rip this yeah, it, it, floor. It's, it's called, it was it was called parquet, and like I felt like uh, they um they didn't do a good job of maintaining it. Which I don't know what maintenance standards were in 1986. I'm not gonna hold you. Yeah, <laughs> but they they couldn't have been great. But that was also what I felt like I've, I've read something about. Uh, that was a, an advantage for for the Celtics about like yeah. pl- players would have to go shoot around before the game there just to know what the floor was like. It, it was mm-hmm. it was to check the floor conditions, bro. It wasn't even to like get a feel for the rim or nothing like that. It was like let's see if the floor is actually gonna stick today or not. Um, yeah, and that's what Boston was known for. They were yeah. trying to use any advantage. So it's mystique, mystique of Boston guard. But no, I mean, so speaking to, um, so you got on the Pistons shirt. Mike almost copped to keeping Isaiah off the team last night, even though he said he did. So Mike has plausible deniability, right? Like he said, the name never came up. But we all know who they were talking about. And we all know yeah. that if Isaiah was on that team, Mike probably wouldn't have went. Now, I do agree that he had beef with a lot of people on that team. I'm not going to pretend like Zeke was cool with. I think he had, he had beef with Magic at the time. So, yeah, if, I think if, so if you had beef with your best friend, you probably weren't making a team. But I do think that if Mike had been reason, not reason, I don't know. So what's your take? What's your take? I feel like Zeke deserved to be on the team. But in terms of team harmony, like Mike said, it probably was best for Isaiah to not make it. So I don't know. I think that's, yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Because, I mean, when you're, when you're building a team, you, you have to take into account team dynamic. So it's not, it's not like the all-star game where you're just playing one time. Right, yeah. You know, and, and then you can throw everybody on there. Uh, but it's like, you know, you're uh, you're playing high level, you know, at a high level overseas and you're and you're also trying to restore um what US basketball was to its great, you know, to its apex because they had lost what the the last the Olympics before that. Mm-hmm. And that's what spurned that's what spurned the dream team. So I can imagine that they were like, look, we don't want it, we don't want this to be you know, and no problems, we don't want zero problems, you know, we just Let's just put together this best team. And if we put Isaiah on the same, it might not let's be honest, it wasn't gonna hurt their chances. They were gonna win what with whatever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, they were gonna win, but I I, I guess that they probably But I, I, they probably I, I mean, like, it was, look, we don't wanna put we don't wanna put this guy on our team and, and mess up the chemistry. No, I I get it. I mean I'm obviously taking it more sense more personal than most. I need to rewatch the Dream Team doc and reread the book. I really wanna yeah. I want I wanna remember Chuck oh, the Daly's. book is great. The book was incredible. Uh, yeah. I, I want to remember Chuck Daly's role in it because I, I did always find it janky that Chuck was coaching and Isaiah didn't make the team. But um, but even to the point of like, and I'm being petty because I'm being petty, but Mike had just beat Clyde in that finals and Clyde was on the team, like no problem. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if Mike really wanted to put, I feel like Mike only had, and um, this came up last night too, and I've heard other Knicks fans talk about it, about how, the Knicks Bulls rivalry was one of the the lost rivalries, lost great rivalries of the nineties. And the reason mm. is the Knicks didn't beat them. It's like Yeah, like ever. Yeah, ever. It's almost like the Knicks want that rivalry to be important, but it's not ever gonna be a na- of national importance because y'all never won. Like the Pistons and Bulls have actual animosity because we kept beating their asses until they finally beat us. I, I, I thought it was a little <laughs> bit um again, like it's, it's Jordan propaganda. I just think it's funny mm. that like Mike is um 
that Mike. So after, so after they, um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn on the Isaiah explanation about why they didn't shake hands. Because while I do agree that that was just the times, I can also understand why Mike felt a certain way about it. But for Mike to, me and Kenny said this last week, for Mike to say that I always shook their hands, you lost every time. How dare you compare to like the winners leaving the court and not shaking your hand to you, the loser, losing three straight years, being, mm. being like humble enough to shake their hands after a loss. And then some sort of, uh, some um, archival, um, 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 some came out that said Mike basically called them undeserving champions, like in that 91 series, in that 90 series. Yeah. So it's like, mm. I wouldn't shook his hand either. So I don't know, for Mike, I feel, <laughs> I feel like Mike went out of his way to be like, yeah, Isaiah was an asshole. And it's like, it was y'all a, didn't like each other. Like, it's fine. Right. You know? it's, it's okay. Like, it, to, to be mad about it 30 years later is kind of like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's, not, it's not that deep. Like, y'all, like, y'all, y'all didn't shake hands. And then some of the players did. Like, uh, I know um, John Sally and Joe Dumars, they, they shook his hands. Right. You know, I mean, I mean jo- Joe, is, Joe is the constant professional, so. Yeah, the gentleman, the gentleman, for yeah. sure. You know, but it's, so, so who, do you, who do you remove from the, um, who do you remove? So my question is, who do you remove from the dream team uh, to put Isaiah on there? John so, Stockton? Yes, because funny enough, I, when I was doing my um, top 25 exercise, I almost put Stockton on over Isaiah. And my lone rationale was the dream team. And then I had to step back and think, like, that's not fair at all. Like, that is totally yeah, not I think, fair. I think you put, I think you put Isaiah Thomas over John Stockton. I, I, would, I would agree with that. Because, I mean, somebody made the point about just as you go down the list of names, you can't, I think after you name Jordan, Bird, because, I mean, Bird and Magic only went for ceremonial purposes. So you name Jordan, Magic, Bird, maybe Pippen, and then you have to name Isaiah. Isaiah's the fifth name you call. Oh, for the for the nineties for, yeah. for the for the ninety yeah. well, for the ninety two dream team anyway like up here mm-hmm. up to that point it's like yeah. you you can't name five names without naming Isaiah Thomas and so I don't know like looking at I mean Christian Layler made the team they had to put a understanding the compromises they had to put a, a college player on that team I would have picked Shaq but they picked Christian Layler for whatever reason mm-hmm. um game is the game but yeah I'm just looking at it now and it's like Ooh, I, Shaq would have been insane Shaq probably <laughs> Shaq, Shaq probably would have forced his way onto much. the court bro like Shaq would have played. Um, no, that would that would have been yeah, that would have been just that would have been overkill. <laughs> Shaq on the dream team. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but like Chris Mullen, I mean, I love Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen, if I had to think about it, is probably one of my personal 15 favorite players ever. I wouldn't say he was one of the 15 greatest players ever, but I loved his game as a kid. Yeah. Um, I think he deserved to be on the team. I think and, and I mean, and when you start we start going through the names, everybody's huge, bro. Like Magic was starting point guard, and he's six nine. So the team is yeah. The team, team was is, huge. Is, is, yeah, you know, so I mean, it's it's hard, you know. I, I, I get, but also Carl Malone and John Stockton were package deal at the time, yeah, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and and John and Stockton's not a bum, you know. No, so Stockton's not like, a bum at all. Yeah, it's just Isaiah was just to me uh, more deserved at that at that time. But you you know you got the package deal. And I mean, just insult to injury is like his uh, his career was over. I think the next season, I think he tore his Achilles in '93. So. It was like he didn't even get to really ride off in the sunset. Like he missed his chance of being like going down in, in Americana, and now he's because that, that's the shitty part for me is um the dream team is like a, 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 is American fabric now. You know what I mean? It's like you think of the dream team, you think of those twelve players, and I mean you think of John Stockton now. You can't you can't put Isaiah Thomas in that unless you think of John Stockton. So mm-hmm. I really feel like Isaiah got robbed of like a, being a part of American history for real. Um, yeah, that's the only thing. Uh, what else? I was I was floored by so there's been a lack of a Myra shot that I found a little bit interesting. 
he was a little bit more available yesterday, but I felt like for my for him to have twenty four seven access to Michael, he should probably be around a little bit more. But also, that's probably why he's not around so much because I've never known if Ahmad is a reliable narrator or not. I'm sure he's not yeah. unreliable, but also like if if you his best friend, you're probably just gonna tell the stories that make him look the best. So mm-hmm. yeah, but, hey, that he was Jordan's best friend, so it's like whatever you say is probably like uh, I don't know. But I also felt like. <laughs> In a way, what am I trying to say? I, I was watching just old games, and they, they cut to my, I think it was like the 91 or 2 finals, they cut to my, and I'm like, no shade to my who I personally thought was a great sportscaster, but it's like to know that you are on television right now because they want you to tell us what Michael Jordan had for breakfast this morning. That's kind of your job. <laughs> it's like you are, you are here to give us Michael Jordan insights, not Bulls insights. We don't care about Scotty or... Uh, Bill Cartwright, no, I will care what they have for breakfast. What what did you and Mike do today? That's what we want to know. Um, yeah, now he honestly he's had he's had a life. Like he, oh, he yeah. played football. It was a what was a all like what all Pro Bowl. Uh, pro he went to Pro Bowl. Did you did you yeah. see the uh the his um his wedding party picture oh, yeah, from his, his wedding his to groomsman? his groomsman that popped up. Those are the most night. unfortunate, unfortunate he so his groomsmen were his groomsmen were O.J. Simpson and Bill Cosby. Dr. Is, William J. Cosby, man. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, th- that's the most unfortunate picture online, I think. Mary Good Felicia grief. shot. Good grief. I can't, I'm, the most unfortunate picture. Love to uh, Miss Huxtable, though. She didn't know about any yeah. of it. She didn't know about any of it. Um, <laughs> but no, so I was, so I think Ahmad was conducting that, that interview in the 93 finals before he retired. And they're in a dark room. I can't quite tell what the setup is, if it's green screened or not. But Mike has on sunglasses for an interview. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, <laughs> I mean, I'm, this isn't the first time. Well, I'm sure it's not the first time you've ever seen celebrities in 1993 anyway, give interviews in shades. Not saying that's the case. I didn't quite understand the point of the shades for that interview. And given, <laughs> given the context of the interview where he was going on record trying to tell people that we were crazy for asking if he had a gambling problem. It wasn't quite the time for him to be hiding his eyes like that. Yeah, and he was sounding kind of like erratic and crazy. A little yeah, bit. yeah. You I know, mean, so. Simmons made the point about like he was making excuses that like gambling people with gambling addictions make. Like, I I'm not going broke and my wife not leaving me and it's like right. that's all stuff people with gambling problems say. Bro. Red flags, red all red. He hit all the red flags, every single one. <laughs> he said, "I'm not broke and my if I was my my wife would be leaving me." And I was like, "Okay, Mike, sure." Uh, what else? Um, so I'm kind of torn on this too, only because so so there was a moment in the when they were recapping the '93 finals where Barkley says basically that I had to reckon with the fact that this guy was better than me. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I felt like I mean even when they showed the footage in '98 All Star game, it was almost like he was the king and everybody else was just like around him in a way. Yeah, he had almost, his own orbit. Yeah, he had his own orbit, but. Even with his peers, it felt you know. It's like these are people that are supposed to be sharing a court with him in 20 minutes, and they're all just kind of like amazed they're sitting five feet away from Michael Jordan. Um, and I don't yeah. know if, again, I don't know if LeBron's ever had. To, I don't know if anybody since has had that command. I don't know if anybody since will ever have that command. And I think it's partially what we talked about about access, about how it was almost like to hang out with Michael Jordan was was um, a rare moment in time that like you had to cherish it. Whereas like you see LeBron on Instagram every day with his kids or doing taco Tuesday and stuff like that. So it doesn't feel as significant as it did when Michael was in your presence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, he had his, he really had his own, 
his own just orbit like around him. Like Jordan, I don't think that we'll ever see a player like that. Like and like I said originally, people like just figures like Ali, mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, like people. These are people like we'll we just we'll never see again. We'll see like iterations. So like we'll see the Kobe's. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see the um, what Mike Tyson's like. We'll see like the you know these other these these people who are obviously they have uh, they might even be they might even be more skilled. You know, they might be more skilled or or they'll they'll pass up their records. But just when you think about everything they've accomplished and when you take it all in, plus the uh, the way they were received for their time and the things that they were able to do in their in their primes, when you add all that together, it's like you create these mythical figures that you're never able to, you, you just will never see again. No. And I mean, add, add that to the fact he went undefeated in the finals. Add that to the fact that... um. That's hard. Yes, yeah, I mean it's, it's hard. It's, it's really hard because I, I know I've pers- I've been annoyed about this as a lifelong Michael Jordan stand. It's this idea that he came in fully formed. I feel like we kind of not delete the '80s, but it's almost like the '80s was. I'll, I'll say I, that's what annoyed me most about the Pistons episodes was that like we were almost like a stepping stone for Michael Jordan to become the goat. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, we were the two-time defending NBA champions, bro. Like, it, was, <laughs> right, it, it right. wasn't like like we were just in your way of, big, of, of achieving greatness, dog. Like, no, you had like, to beat us, you. right? Yeah. Like, you, had, you had to beat us, bro. Like, it wasn't that simple. So, um, yeah, like I, I do appreciate. Like I said, like this has been good for me. Well, I think it's been good for me, um, my sort of Jordan fandom, and hoping that everybody understands that, like. This shit wasn't easy for Mike. Like, Mike didn't come in and, like, he got his points right away, but that didn't always mean winning stuff. Right. Um, he had to, like, learn how to become a basketball player. So I really did appreciate that BJ said by, like, the end of 92, he just had full command of the court. It was less about winning the game and more about, like, almost making his opponent submit. <laughs> it was like, oh y'all, about, oh, y'all think y'all in this game? Okay, we gonna go into a quick 10-2 run that y'all can't, <laughs> that y'all can't overcome. It's shit like that. Or like mm. the moments where he would like, there have been so many moments in this documentary that I don't see anymore where he like got a steal or defected a pass and then like would save it from going out of bounds. <laughs> Defensive like, play of the year. Yeah, you know, like people don't yeah. die for the ball like that no more. And it's like not, mm-hmm. not, not two-way players like that. Maybe Kawhi, but Kawhi is so surgical that he seems robotic. Um, yeah. So yeah, one, like. One thing about this. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I was done. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say one thing about uh, one point about this, and I'm curious about your thoughts. Uh, and you, you, you kind of mentioned this was about Charles Barkley mm-hmm. and how uh, I think a lot of that was for a lot of younger folk that was their first time seeing Charles Barkley in a basketball jersey, right? You know, seeing him not, you know, being this blowhard that's on like you know TNT. So it's funny because a lot of the conversation I saw was about okay, Draymond versus uh, Charles Barkley. <laughs> And I'm like, listen, Draymond is a great player in the system that he is in. But Charles Barkley was an entirely different animal. Man. And we should, we should just leave it at that. <laughs> That's the thing, too, is Draymond had, like, Draymond had a really good, I want to say, like, three-year window where he was capable of putting up those Charles-type numbers. But he also wasn't doing it for 82 games plus 25 playoff games every year. Um, yeah, Charles was, come on, man. Like, let's not do that. Like, let's let's yeah, not do like, that. I I, I I get the argument. Actually, I don't. Actually, it's a terrible comp. I'll take it back. I I delete everything I just said. Rewind. I don't get the argument. That's a terrible comp. Charles and Draymond are two totally different players, bro. Like Charles was the right. one option on playoff teams. Draymond mm-hmm. will never be that. So I don't even know why we even yeah. going there. 
is yeah, like he's he's a, he's great in the system. Like I can't imagine him doing anything else on another team. Oh no. You know, so I was just like, this comparison is, or, it. you know, or, or maybe he could go to another team and be good. He wouldn't be 25 and 11 a night. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that, he's never no. going to be that. You're surrounded by shooters that can space the floor for you. And like, le- unlike legendary shooters, exactly. you know, and so it's like, it's, it'll be a little steep, you know, to, to think that you're going to go. Cause Barkley played for the Rockets, played for the 76ers, played for the Suns and, and had great numbers for all three teams in, in the eighties, in the nineties when, you know, Talent was probably at, at what is top, at, at, his, yeah. at his peak. If, if not at his peak, it was definitely the best the best combination of athleticism and like physicality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a Draymond truther. I remember when he came into the league, I was incredulous. He went so low. I've always believed my my comp with him was always if Paul Millsap can make the lead, Draymond can make the lead. That was always my belief. Yeah. Um, he ain't fucking Charles Barkley though. Like that's not that's right. that's not like, let's, let's not do that. That's where I'm at too. Like you know, obviously you went to state. Like you know, I'm, I'm right. all I'm all for the MSU folk, but it's like it's Charles Barkley comparison. Yeah, like, like we we got it. We have to stop. We gotta let's, stop. Let's not. Let's not. Charles. Charles would be a dog today too, because I mean that was that was almost Charles's um the beauty in Charles was that he looked like a bowling ball, and then he would get the fa- he would get the rebound and push the ball in the fast break and dunk on you himself. And you were just like, oh, right. Char- dang, this dude is two eighty. Like no way. Right. Six four. Two right. Eight. Like, like just flying. Flying. Like, like flying brick. Flying, flying brick. bro. You watch some of them games. I'm like, I cannot believe his top speed was like that. Like, I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure Charles probably ran like a four six at his like peak, which is incredible <laughs> probably, to think about. Probably. Um, what else? The fits. I just know. I want to know what Michael Jordan started dressing the way he dresses today because they show that mm-hmm. one that one fit the one uh, image of him walking to that Barcelona stadium. Um, yeah. Which I want. Everybody wants that fit now. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the fact that he dresses now like he has never seen clothes that fit is incredible to me. <laughs> I mean, he's he just like an uncle now, you know. He's a, he's a he's a he's an uncle, like he's like a. But I just want to know what. So, but even even to that point, I was watching him get off the bus for the '98 All Star game. He had on this baggy suit, and Reggie got off the bus in a similar type suit. And I was just hmm. kind of like, when did y'all start buying these church suits? Like, what what year, <laughs> what year was this? Because I'm I'm, I'm not going to pretend. Like, I'm sure you had your own baggy suit for church. I had my own couple baggy suits for mm-hmm. church. Like that was an era. I just want to know like when it started because it really did seem like it was specific to black men who like went to church. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Um, and then Jerry Krause. So, but so his name came up again last night with Tony, with Tony Kukoc. Shout out to Tony. Um, and how Michael and Scotty wanted to embarrass him. I've, I'm almost sympathetic toward Krause if only because I appreciated him as a forward thinking team builder. He knew how to build a team. I, I said last night, he knew how to do everything except be politically correct. Like, if he knew mm. how to bring in Tony and compliment Dan Marley and, you know what I'm saying, like, do all these things while also not making Michael and Scotty feel like they weren't worth anything, he'd have been the greatest GM of all time. But somehow, he throws his current kids... Like, I think Mike said it, like, how are you always making your current kids feel so bad? Like... Why, why are you always making, why are you always throwing our feelings under the bus in favor of these other people who either aren't on the team yet or who you haven't managed to sign or draft? Yeah. It's like, dude. It's just, it's, it's just yeah. ego. Like, it, it was really just ego. You and, know? And, I mean, like, he, and he said he, something after the, after the championship, too, about he went out of his way to be like, this was an organizational win. I'm like, Michael Jordan just had 50 points to clinch you the championship. <laughs> what are you talking about organizational win? Like, it, he was so strange. Yeah. He didn't understand. He didn't understand that he will never 
ever, ever. Like, and it's not, it's, he'll never be on the front page of the Chicago Tribune. Never. Holding the trophy. Like, and that, and that really got under his skin, uh, which is so weird because that, I feel like GMs know that that's not really your role. Like, like you build the teams, you don't, you don't start, you don't play in the games, you build the teams. Like, obviously, I mean, your, your people who need to know will understand the respect that GMs will get. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you're, you're never, no GM is ever going to be on the front page of whatever, you know, Sports Illustrated, you know, like, it's just, it's, and it's okay. Like, that's not really what your job is. You know, your job is to build a create a great team and then just keep winning. And, and what's weird is that winning was not enough for him. You but know, he, like he, he, he very more. clearly had like, so what the bizarre part, I literally just thought about this as you were saying, and it's like, he, he wanted more, but he, for him to say it was an organizational win, it was because that's all he could, it's all, pretty much all he could say to get away with. He wanted to take sole credit though, if you think about it. He, he wanted people to be like, oh, Jerry Krause, you're such a phenomenal GM. But, <laughs> right. but because that would have been a bridge too far, he had to just be like, well, no, my, like players don't just win, win titles, the organizations do. When it's like, bro, you went out of your way to drive Michael out of town, to make sure Scotty didn't get paid, to tell Phil he couldn't come back, to recruit Phil's replacement in broad daylight, to tell everybody that Tony Kukos was going to be the second coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, he kept going out of his way to alienate everybody he needed to be on his side. And so it's like mm-hmm. only somebody who wants soul credit would do that because the point at which nobody fucks with you. Now you can be like, well, I don't need any of you. I'll do it on my own. And right. I, I won't and... say, I won't say he was going that like, obviously you don't want to run Michael Jordan out of town completely. But like, I do think he runs the opportunity to win without him to be like, Oh, I did something without everybody without the guy y'all said I needed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now uh, I think Chicago fans probably knew about this, you know, like they, they, I don't think that there's anything new in this for a lot of Chicago people or mm-hmm. people who really, really watch closely. But I think now people are watching it and are like, well, now we really hate Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Krause because <laughs> the only thing about this is I, I wish, I wish Jerry Krause was alive to tell yeah, his to defend story. Himself. Yeah, yeah. That would be, that would really be like the most preferable way to kind of, cause it's like, it's hard when no one's able to, you know, he can't, he can't uh, defend himself, but right. Um, because I'm I'm sure he would definitely have a lot. Oh, to say he about would definitely this. he would definitely have a lot of pushback. I, but I, mm-hmm. the pattern I've noticed with with Kraus specifically is that he seems to start on good terms with everybody, and then it flips. Like the, I mean, he recruited Phil Jackson himself. So for in mm-hmm. ten years for you to go like I'm going to install you as my head coach to you're not coming back next year even if you go undefeated. Like that's a pretty steep that's a turn. wild thing to say. That's yeah, a that's pretty a steep turn. Um. So for that, for him, I, I don't know what his relationship was with Mike. He didn't draft Mike, but I'm pretty, like I said, I don't, I don't think Mike hated the guy. He just started to resent him for not appreciating the obvious fact that he was the best player in the world. It was like, yo, you have a meal ticket here and that's not enough for you. Like, what's up? Um, he drafted Scotty. So for that relationship to sour yeah. so quickly, like that's incredible. Um, right. And he, well, he didn't, he didn't pay Scotty. Right. Yeah, he, right he, didn't, he didn't pay Scotty. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Somehow the Ryan Stewart, the owner, got involved with that one. But I mean, the point remains is that like you were high enough on the guy to draft him to think that he could be Michael's lieutenant. What ha- what the hell happened over the course of your relationship where he's cursing you out in front of everybody on a bus? Like that's incredible. Um, and the last thing I got down is the Horace Grant thing. So I heard. So 
Where, where do you land on Horace Grant being like the main source for the Jordan rules? That's the first time I ever heard anything like that. <laughs> I've never heard. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I, I'd always uh, wonder what happened with him in the Bulls because um, he was there and then he wasn't. And, and when he wasn't anymore, he was on a biggest rival, which was the up and coming magic. Um, mm-hmm, but yeah, I was mm-hmm. kind of like, yo, Horace just left the team. Like, what was up with that? And so to hear that, like, they, they, suspend, they, they had suspicions that he was um, a snitch for intents and purposes. I'm sure that had a, a little bit to do with him not being around no more. Yeah, I mean, they probably ran him out of there, you know. So, I mean, I wonder. I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, he, 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 he like denied no it unequivocally. That. He was like, I had nothing to do with that. He straight up like, no. Nah. Yeah, I, I mean, because really, because when you think about sources, it could be it could be anybody, really. Mm-hmm. So I, I need to go back and actually I need to actually reread it. Um, but when you think about sources, it could be anybody. It could be ball boy. It could be. You know, unnamed sources. It could be literally anyone. So, I mean, well, I I read the other day that it was Phil was a huge source for that book. Oh well, and 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 that like Krause didn't know because Krause would never think that his that his boy would be be a source for that book. But yeah, like I heard Uh, Phil was huge. White guys are gonna protect each other. (laughs) You know, yeah, nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I would love to hear more from Horace. Is probably the fine because I really do feel like. That got bla- that got glazed over too. Like he was the third best player mm-hmm. on the, for that first three P, and then he wasn't there no more. And they were just kind of like, "Yeah, Horace was a snitch, and that was it." <laughs> right? What? <laughs> right? But, but but I mean, again, we only have ten hours, and they only have an hour episodes, so it's not like you can go too in depth and too much stuff. But it's like they, yeah. they went from Mike just saying without a doubt, like, "Yeah, it was Horace," and then Horace being like, "No, it wasn't," and then BJ being like, <laughs> "It was Horace and a bunch of people," and then that was just the end right. of the conversation. <laughs> Like no, nah, like we should probably inter- like dig a little bit deeper. Like who was the, actually the source for that? Because Sam Smith came up once and was just like, yeah, they said it was Horace, but yeah, and that was it. Right. Yeah. So, They're like, hey, it was thirty years ago. Right. <laughs> right. 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 So that those all the notes I had. Did you have anything else you um wanted to bring up that I left out or any searing? Oh books? man. Um, I think we pretty much touched on everything I wanted to talk about. We talked about the Hawking stuff, uh, Kobe. I think those were like kind of the major points of the of the episode. Mm-hmm. I put the fits in all in all caps plus an exclamation point because I was just amazed by the fits, like just broadly defined. Mm-hmm. Um, I just missed the '90s, bro. <laughs> we yeah, we man. we we were relative babies, but I, I do remember enough of like those games specifically to have nostalgia for it. So I just kind of miss mm-hmm. everything about it for real. NBA NBA on NBC. Man, right. listen, I need NBC Sports just to bid on that contract so we can get the music back. I don't like Fox, <laughs> Fox Sports has the mute has rights to the music and they'll play it during college games sometimes. And I'm like, this is not the same. And it's actually a little bit weird. Like I do not want to hear this at 2 p.m. on a Saturday on Fox, bro. Like it's just not the same at all. So um, yeah, NBC Sports, please. I'm, that's been my prayer for a very long time is that they get the NBA contract back. I just want that music back on Sundays. <laughs> but, facts, um, facts. But um, yeah, bro, if that's it, uh, you got anything you want to plug the socials? I mean, everybody, everybody knows who you are, so, you know. <laughs> no, nah, man, you know, I, I really appreciate you letting me come on. I, I don't always talk about sports, so it's nice to be able to come on something and actually talk about sports and, you know, something that's not it's <laughs> a little different yeah which 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 is great um you know uh but yeah if people want to you know find me man i'm on you know I'm, I'm always on twitter at phil phil underscore lewis underscore and uh instagram at phil dot lewis so 
Yeah, follow him if you haven't already, which I'm assuming you probably are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, appreciate you, bro. Um, of course. Yeah, I'm gl- glad you got. To, I hadn't even thought about the fact you typically talk about like, I mean, not real world stuff, but major shit on a daily basis. So glad, I, glad you were able to talk about something less um strenuous for an hour and a half or so. Right, man. This is it's a, it's a welcome distraction. Trust me. Yeah, man. man. <laughs> uh, appreciate you, bro. So yeah, let me go ahead and get this edited. I'll, um, I'll shoot you the link once it's up. Awesome, man. Thank you, dog. I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate it, bro. I'll holler at you. For sure. All right, man. Peace. Peace. All right, boom. Thank you again to the Gorilla Field for coming through. Um, follow him on all his socials if you aren't already. I'd be very shocked if you aren't following Phil, at least on Twitter. But follow him again on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and you'll find out very quickly <laughs> why it's worth the follow. Uh, I guess this is a sort of promo, free promo for ESPN in the last dance, but I don't mind. Six-year-old me is, is loving having new Michael Jordan material every week to watch. So uh, I'm, I'm loving being able to talk about this stuff with folks who I know also were obsessed, if not with Michael Jordan, at least with NBA basketball in the 90s. So this is fun stuff, man. I'm really glad I get to talk about it with friends and spe- specifically black men. Like I said on a previous podcast, I feel like I'm not really hearing black men discuss the importance of Michael Jordan in the 1990s, which I feel like is counterfactual to everything Michael Jordan was in the 1990s. So I know he was important to everybody, but definitely I think he helped black boys aspire to. I I wanted to be like Mike, man, and I didn't really know what it meant. I feel like this documentary is exposing what it really means to be like Mike, you know what I mean? But at five, six years old, all I saw was fadeaway jumpers and cool jerseys. And, you know, that's all I – that's what I knew. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up was him. And so – it's really cool to interrogate like what went into the making of the greatest basketball player of all time. So hopefully y'all are enjoying watching this as much as I've been. Hopefully y'all are enjoying these recaps too, man. Um, appreciate the support. Appreciate y'all listening. Check out whatsusome.com, everything we got going on there from albums of the decade again to every whatsusome radio episode, consulting, photography, uh, trying to stay busy, man. Um, luckily we're remote. We can produce content over the internet pretty instantaneously and, that's uh pretty helpful um trying to stay busy and stay sane i know it's like important that um this isn't not to get philosophical on y'all as we leave but i hope y'all are taking care of your mentals over there too um i know it's like while we have all this free time we have all this extra time theoretically because we're in the house more we have we're isolated from people more we're supposed to be doing something with that time but just make sure you're taking care of yourself making sure you're doing what you want to do making sure make sure you um don't let anybody dictate how you spend that time because uh, this is crazy. This is definitely not normal. And so while you build that new normal, make sure you take time to uh, take care of yourself because um, you are the only person you're going to have when this is all said and done. So not to get preachy, not to get philosophical again, but uh, just want you to take care of yourselves and uh, we'll make it through this um, even better than we entered it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, be back end of the week with more of what's some radio, uh, maybe more basketball talk, but definitely a fun gospel project that I recorded over the weekend with the homie Miss Rachel Payton. Um, stay safe out there, y'all. Talk to y'all in the week. All right, bye. I'm Detroit's own miracle, the golden kid, and everything I am must be what Detroit is. I'm Detroit's own. I'm Detroit's own. I'm Detroit's own blessing, it owns my love, and everything I am is what Detroit once was. I'm Detroit's own. I'm Detroit's own.